welcome to episode 93 of the local meta my name is fletcher and i'm john <sighs> john how are you doing today uh exceptionally lazy apparently but... <laughs> apparently <laughs> uh, make do make everything work yeah i'm still my day is still better than yours probably yeah i'm kind of slogging, <laughs> slogging through a cold but yeah and also i'm uh we got to bed about one with a sick throwing up kid so before before recording here i was obviously off swapping laundry because we're basically out of sheets for beds but <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> for children you know it's it is what it is yeah love them to death but <laughs> it, it's just it's just part of them be, being sick right they're too young to know how to quotations oh, yeah. deal with it themselves like you know just That's like it's like we're not ev- mad at him yeah just like everything else with a child you have to teach them how to get sick yeah <laughs> like, it's just yeah, it's just unfortunate and stuff like that because it's like yeah. yeah poor little guy doesn't know what's going on he yeah just, he all they feel is pain up. yeah so. Exactly. so but he's um uh, doing significantly better today it's good and um uh, yeah it's nap time right now so hopefully we can get our get our episode done before he decides to wake up hopefully oh you know, he was only he was only up till one nbd but, and nbd so um we got the, we got something to talk about really quick here yeah uh, before we dive right into our episode uh and i don't know man i'm i'm really curious about your thoughts and i got some thoughts of my own but i'm uh so on Reddit, I linked you something the other day, uh, and you wisely said we should talk about this on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're really good at wasting good conversation topics in our chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm uh, so it looks like it's, it seems like an email was sent out to a select number of stores uh, to have them run best of one drafts at F and M. Yeah. I'm really torn on this in a lot of ways. So I'm, I'm really curious what your thoughts are. So my initial thought on it was I don't really agree with it because uh-huh. best of ones just lead to a different style of magic. Yep. A little and bit. <clears throat> to me, FNM is kind of like a practice point for like more quotations in port tournaments like the invitational and yada 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 yeah but at the same time best of ones actually fit better in the fnm dynamic yeah they do like that's kind of where i came down to some degree too like i don't like best of ones because it does increase the variance Yep. And as we've established before, I hate losing to like Manuscript and Man of Blood. Oh, right? dude, like, yeah, you are a salty, salty bastard when that happens. <laughs> so, like, obviously, best of ones are not like beneficial to me as a person, but I think they are actually are beneficial to FNM's whole. Mm-hmm. And I was actually starting to think about this in regards to like my or our store, like how much would this impact our store? And honestly, I don't think it would actually change pretty much anything, actually. Fair enough. Like, a lot of the people who currently draft are the more, um, are already of the more casual band. Like, you're not going to pull yep. more people into draft as a result of that. The people already draft poorly, so they're not going to, you know, draft any worse by it being best of one. 
I'm just gonna throw a lot of shade, right? Let's <laughs> just hope that's okay. And like, as a whole, I just don't feel as if like it is not going to affect our store if they do switch to best of one drafts. The one nice thing is like, as I saw someone point out, like it makes buys a lot less painful. Yep. And it does having the whole 20 minute games is kind of nice. Yeah. It really moves things along. And it also like to a degree, best of ones also do benefit people who understand proper deck building for our like the constraints for it as it were like um in what format it was it recently where i was a big big proponent of playing at least one main deck artifact slash enchantment removal was that dominaria, dominaria. Yeah. yeah doing things like that just suddenly becomes the norm if you're playing in best of one yeah which is both good and bad mm-hmm so it's, it's, again, it increases the variance, but it kind of makes things a little more interesting to some yeah. degree. But yeah, like I, like I'm torn on it because it's like, you know, as you said, I think it I think it makes it easier for people to step into draft, like and and just start playing games. Like people who have played arena or whatever, where that's where they started, to walk into a store and be like, okay, let's just play a bunch of games of Magic. Because the thing is, is that we're coming at a, you know us and the enfranchised people are coming at this with the perspective that magic is a competitive uh, game. And while you're playing against someone, I think we're sort of putting our own um, uh, like, this is the game for us, if that makes sense. Like, realistically, the majority of magic players don't play best of three. Like, people get mad whenever you say that or when they say that best of one is the most popular format on arena or something like that. But most people are playing at their kitchen table. And I don't think a lot of people playing at their kitchen table just for fun are playing best of three. No, I mean, if we, when we first started playing again, yeah, if someone randomly showed up with a sideboard at the kitchen <laughs> table, we probably would have laughed at them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A lot, a lot. Like, and if somebody would have changed their deck after a game and played another one, you know, like that, we'd have been like, dude, come on. We would have called them, like, cheating, right? Yeah, we'd have been like, don't be like that. Like, and I'm not saying that's, that's, like, air quotes, totally right by any means. Like, you know, to, to be against that or for, or whatever, like, but I just think, I think we're so set in our ways that when we look at it, we... We can't see it any other way. Yeah. Like, and, and, uh, you know, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Best of One on Arena. Like, you know, I, I see all these people complain and they're like, oh, these are, the, like, here's all the reasons why, you know, people aren't playing Best of Three and blah, blah, blah. And they say cost and visibility and blah, blah. maybe that does cause a little bit of it. But guess what? I see all of it. I can afford to get into those events. I don't want to. <laughs> I want to play best of one because I get to. I feel like I get to play more magic, and it's more fun for me. Yeah, I. I have sideboards built on every deck I've ever made. Yeah, my version of your murder kill deck has a sideboard. Yeah, mine doesn't. <laughs> but I've never played a best of three match just <laughs> because, like, when I log into arena, that's not what I'm looking for. Like, I, I don't agree with 
the primary ladder being best of one. I do, 100%. But I understand it. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't... I don't even... Because there still is best of three leagues. It's yep. just not the primary ladder. There's best of three ranked events. But, like, if you look at any other game that's an eSport of any kind, their ladder is always best of one. Yeah. Like, whether it's StarCraft or Hearthstone or name it, just pick something. Like, yeah. It's the best of one games. But the tournament structure is different. And I think people are really too spend too much time thinking that ladder is a tournament and it's not yeah exactly so i don't know you know fnm is not a fnm is fnm is not the you know supposed to be a ladder or anything right yeah. there's no all that stuff exactly yeah and you know it sounds like i'm really really for this just with the things i'm talking about here and i'm not against it but i don't think i'm 100 percent for it here like what one of my big complaints is People are always talking, when they're talking about Arena, are talking to say, oh, you should add this event, you should add this thing, you should add this, blah. And the problem I have with that, and the problem I have with this change, is I think it has a the chance of fracturing the player base. Sorry, I'm eating a cracker one second. <laughs> I'm debating if I'm going to edit that out. I, I've been muting my mic and eating crackers whenever I, you're I'm, on your long spiel, so... I know, I noticed. I'm sorry I cut that one off soon. That's also good. <clears throat> okay. I mean, fracturing the player base is always going to be a problem. Yeah. But like, here's the thing. The okay. magic player base is massive. Uh, I... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. People already... Like, on the small scale... Like, at F&M's and stores, fracturing the player base is a legitimate problem. And that's where I'm concerned about it. Like, like on Friday... I'm more concerned about it there. Yeah, on Friday, there were two people for Standard. Yeah. That's it. Everyone else was playing Modern, because everyone else does a follow-the-leader mentality, where who, whenever a certain few people choose what format they want to play, other people will follow that person. Yeah. I was literally talking about this with Manny... Because me and Manny were the first ones there, and I'm like, Manny, you know whichever one we sign up for, everyone else is going to follow, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm signing up for Modern. <laughs> and that's what happened. Yeah. But the thing about Arena is Arena isn't limited to small scale. Even if you do fracture the player base, where some people, you know, you have all these different formats and yada, 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 you also have to realize that not everyone can play one format indefinitely. Like, a lot of people are like me, where they will get bored playing, you know, just standard or just modern. They will want to branch out, and having more options is good for that. See, I think you're overestimating some of that, because you need a large volume to get queue times low. And I don't have a problem having lots of events. I like the rotating event style. But the thing is, is if you're like, oh, we're always going to have Singleton, and we're always going to have Popper, and we're always going to have all the other events, and we're always going to have these you start diluting everything. And that's... I don't disagree. That That is a fact, I think. Like, I, I, I think you need some pretty high number. Like, you really have to look at how things are sitting before... Um, yeah, any of that. But that's... Honestly, I'm not talking about Arena here mostly. I'm mostly talking about the best of one at local game stores. Like, that... You know, depending on what that... Like, my concern with that would be is... So you have either a store that runs both 
and then that kind of fractures that. And I'm, I imagine they wouldn't do that unless they know they can support it. No, I cannot imagine any store running both regular draft and this draft on the same night. That'd be pretty tough. Like because... maybe there might be some. I think I, I think some could if you get the people who are like the diehard. You know, we only play best of three because that's preparing us for our GP next weekend because we're the mm-hmm. best ever and sit down scrubs. The other thing I see is is that you have some stores running best of one and some stores running best of three. And I think that creates some amount of confusion between people going between stores, if that makes sense. Yeah, I under I can get that. That that obviously like these a lot of these things you're talking about only really apply to like larger communities, as it were. Fair. Like, like you can't have a store. Like any none of our local stores could run a regular draft and a best of one draft at the same no. time, no, and no, no, still no. have standard going. And standard is mandatory at FNMs. Yeah. Right. Like none of the local stores. Like we, as a, an entire community in the Twin Ports, we have enough people to do that. Yeah. But we're all split up amongst three different stores. Yeah. So. Which I can see, I can see one store running best of three, one store running best of one, you know that kind of thing. But even then, though, it's like even even at like larger group stores, you only have so many people who actually want to draft. Yeah, like the drafting community at our primary store is actually very very low as formats go on. Like when a, when it, the format when a new format first comes out, everyone's to draft it, and then like one week later, everyone's off of it. Right there's we have a lot of people who don't perceive themselves as being very good at draft and they don't want to get better at draft. They only want to draft because it's like the hot new thing. Okay. As, as a result of that, they just kind of get turned off of it. Right. And like, I obviously we are smaller scale than, than some stores. I can't imagine that there is, I, I basically imagine every other store just being like scaled up to that degree. Like maybe you do have that one store that's like everyone here always drafts. They love draft draft. I don't, yeah, I don't think ever. you have, I don't think you have a correct perception of the world outside. <laughs> Why is that? Because uh, I think I think it's much more pocketed than that. Like I think you would find a store where draft is they live, breathe, and die draft. Oh yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm sure I'm sure stores like that do exist. Yeah, but I don't think that they they would be the norm by any means. All right, we're just gonna leave it there and stuff like that. We gave, we gave our opinions on this, okay. and um, uh, we got we got places to be. We do. So maybe we'll pick this up later or something like that. But we just wanted to bring it up really quick because we had heard it. But uh, yeah, so let's just let's just move on here to our main topic. Uh, <laughs> sorry, not to cut you off or anything really, but uh, whatever. Yeah, eat, eat your crackers. Uh, I lose my cracker. <laughs> So, uh, Ravica Allegiance is coming up very soon here, so that means it's time for us to take a look at the set. Hooray for more Ravnica! Yay! Uh, I actually have a very different opinion of this set than the previous Ravnica set, so... I'm excited to hear it in two hours. You will probably hear it in about two hours. (laughs) Alright, so, um, uh, why don't we just run down the, um, uh, mechanics really quick here for the set. Uh, Alright. So we got five... Uh, new mechanics happening, new air quotes mechanics. Uh, we'll just hit them up really quick. So the Azorius mechanic is Addendum, uh, which is a... It's only on okay. instance. 
It's a keyword ability, only on instance. Uh, no, not a keyword ability. Ability word? There we are. Uh, that basically says, if you cast a spell during your main phase, do something. And yeah, it only goes on instance uh, and basically changes the effect of the, the cards and stuff like that. Like one of them is uh, uh, instant draw two cards, but if you cast during your main phase, you gain three life or something like that. Two life. Two life, whatever. I suppose you can't make it broken, but you're making it three life. Exactly. But, so, I mean, what do you think of this mechanic overall? I, this is one of the mechanics that I feel like the balancing act on all of these, all of the addendum is going to have to be ridiculously precise. Yeah. Because either the card itself is going to be powerful enough as, as an instant that you're never going to want to cast it as a sorcery. Yep. Or the bonus you get for casting it as sorcery is going to be so high that you'll be a fool for casting it as an instant. Yeah, this is a really tough balancing act for these ones. Like, I will say that I don't, you don't have emergency powers listed anywhere, do you? Uh, I don't think so. Right. Emergency powers is probably the one that I think is the most balanced in that regard, because an instant speed draw seven for both players is very, very good, because then you get to take advantage of it first. True. But being able to cast a card for free, if you cast during your main phase, is also very, very powerful, so. Yeah. That's probably the the best addendum card I I've seen from like a actual card design standpoint. I suppose every other one you read, you're just like you always cast this during your maze phase, or you always cast this as an instant. Yeah, it's like this is very minor and it doesn't matter and stuff like that, right? So yeah, but yeah, it's fine. I get what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next mechanic is spectacle. That is for Rakdos, uh, and that is a. Uh, a keyword that is an alternate cost, um, and you may basically means you may cast a spell for its spectacle cost rather than its mana cost if an opponent lost life this turn. So it's like a uh, uh, the, the, the bloodthirst variant. Um, yeah, it's, which I believe we were kind of speculating on. Were we? I think we or were. I, I think there was some speculation on this. That yeah, we we speculated on spectacle. Yeah. But, uh, and I, some, some cards have additional abilities if you cast them for their spectacle cost instead of their mana cost. Yeah. Some of them actually cost more if you cast them for their spectacle cost because of the additional ability that you get. But are, so. but are pretty dang good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we'll get to some of those. Um, this is see. probably my second favorite mechanic in the set. Really? Like, I really like spectacle. I think it's a cool mechanic. Like, uh, a lot of the... Um, uh, like, the cost reduction ones, it's like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Actually, one of the cost reduction cards with it, I'm kind of like, oh, baby, baby, baby. Um, and and some of the ones with the, like, the ones with the alternate, co- like, abilities and stuff like that are, I like those designs, actually. I think they're really yeah. cool. Yeah. But, so. And we'll be hitting up some of those, so we will, um, uh, we'll talk about those later. All right. So the gruel mechanic is Riot. And that is uh, a keyword... That's uh, whenever, or when this creature enters the battlefield, you can either put a plus one, plus one counter on it, or give it haste. This is definitely my favorite mechanic in the set. Oh, really? I'm like, eh, about it. I love mechanics that give you options, and every time you cast a card with Riot, you have an option. Yep. 
like the versatility is something that really really appeals to me i do i just i really like it i like it from a constructed standpoint i like it from uh, like the gruel versus gruel like limited mirror is gonna be like the most insane thing ever <laughs> i feel like there's always gonna be a correct choice and i have a theory as to what it is <laughs> but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a party i mean it is a relevant choice too it is very relevant like so it's not like they just put two things on there where it's like eh, who cares you know yeah this is like the tribute mechanic done right yeah <laughs> they did a lot they did a lot of throwbacks to um theros block in the mechanics for this set yeah they actually kind of did pick a, pick a bunch of those but um uh yeah so all right you ready yep cool all right the um uh next mechanic is the orzov mechanic and it is afterlife uh so that is written as afterlife n some number um and so what that means is when that creature dies you put that many one one uh white and black spirit creatures tokens with flying onto the battlefield I'm just going to assume this was named after the card Afterlife from Mirage. Does Afterlife from Mirage do that? Uh, yeah, it kills a creature and then makes a 1-1 one, one spirit. Right, fair enough. I'm pretty sure that's what it does, at least. I remember having the card way back in the day. Yeah, destroy target creature, can't be regenerated. Its controller puts a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature token with flying onto the battlefield. Cool. But, so, I like this mechanic, personally. This is like the exact kind of thing I want to be doing most of the time. It's a very powerful mechanic, but to me, it's also kind of boring. So, like, all right, all my creatures are Doom Travelers. This is okay. Like, it's like feature not a bug to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong. This 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 mechanic is powerful. It is very very mm -hmm. good. It just doesn't excite me. Like, yeah. I'm going to be. I have ideas for decks that are going to be playing a lot of afterlife cards because sack outlets are great. Yeah, right? that's one of the things I was looking at. Like, there's a few cards I've been looking at that I'm like, oh, baby, baby. Like it's just free, it's just free extra value, and that's what I like. Exactly. So, like on that by that metric, these are going to be very very good. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll be pretty solid, but I mean, obviously, time will tell. So, okay. So next we have adapt, uh, which is basically monstrosity. Yes, it is exactly monstrosity, but better. Uh, yeah, it's a, um, it's an activated ability. It is written as uh, adapt n, so some number, uh, with a, and it's a, a, a there's a cost for the ability, um, and basically that means if this creature has no plus one plus one counters on it, put that many plus one plus one counters on, on it. So you can remove the counters and put them back on and do sweet stuff like that. Yeah, it's fine. It's cool. It's Simic does plus one plus one counter stuff. They always have, and they probably always will. Because really, what else can you actually do with Simic color combinations? But yeah, it, it's interesting. They did try proliferate, but um, yeah, ended up being a little good. I think is what what it was said. <laughs> a lot of people, like someone mentioned that, like, why did they just do proliferate? I'm like, have you ever thought about the interaction between proliferate and planeswalkers? No? <laughs> you should do that it, sometime. It actually was really, really good against them, uh, or with some of the other mechanics, I think is what it was. Ah. Because they had, like, um, uh, like the riot mechanic was in Rakdos or something like that, or I can't remember. But, like, some of the other mechanics, it just really pumped up. Makes sense. So. But, I mean, it's an ability. I don't know. I, I like how they use it in this set. 
I'm just not like it's just one of those abilities that I'm just kind of like eh, about in general. Yeah, it's going to be good in limited. It's going to be. I mean, to, I don't know if any of it is good enough for constructed, but who knows? Yeah. There is a two mana five five flyer. I like that. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Those are the mechanics. A lot of them. Yeah. Should Stand, we... Standard five. <laughs> standard five. All right. Should we um, uh, dive on in? Yeah, let's, let's get this show on the road. All right. Let's 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 do some road showing. Okay. So, favorite effect. Um, I'll kick this one off because this is... I feel like this effect isn't that interesting, but I just really like where it's placed and how it feels and stuff like that. So, I actually picked Smothering Tithe. Uh, which is a white enchantment for three and a white. Uh, whenever an opponent draws a card, that player may pay two. If that player doesn't, you create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap sacrifice. I said one mana of any color, you're mana pool. I just like, I don't know. I just think this is a cool card. And like how, like that's just an interesting mechanic for white. Yeah, it's, I mean, white always has like the taxing effects as they should. Yeah. You know, like, obviously I read this and I think of Ristic Study and I try and think about, like, which is, you know, how does this compare to Ristic Study? The answer okay. is Ristic Study is broken. Yes, yes, yes. Let's this, this, be fair here. This is not. But, I mean, it's it's fine. You know, yeah. Ramp is always nice. This is going to be one of those cards that, like, just ends up in EDH decks, I think. I agree. It's, EDH players love tax effects. Yeah. And... This is a tax effect with an upside. Yep. This is going to fit right into my Orzhov deck, too, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. All that extra mana that you need all the damn time because your oh, commander what, what, costs a thousand. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, I just need that so that I can actually like afford to play some cards. But, yeah. All right. What do you, what do you got on the list? Uh, mine is a little more complicated. Uh, mine is Judith, the Scourge Diva. Uh, she is a 2-2 for colorless black red legendary creature human shaman. Other creatures you control get plus one plus oh. Cool. Oh. Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, Judith the Scourge Diva deals one damage to any target. Okay. So we have an anthem. Uh -huh. Sweet. Yep. And we have the best blood artist I have ever seen in my life. I suppose this is any target. <laughs> this thing can shoot down planeswalkers. It can yep. clear the way of creatures. This card is legit gas. It's legendary, and I'm that is very, very good, but the nice thing about her being legendary is that's actually not a downside. Because you can play another one and trigger her. <laughs> you can play another one, and you have a three-mana fork bolt. Okay. That's, that's mean, not that bad. Yeah, this could do a hell of a lot worse. Like, it's not great, but it's not that bad. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I think if there is an Aristocrat-style deck, Judith is going to be a large part of it. So, yeah. I'm excited. We'll see. You're, you're going to be looking for the, Arist the Aristocrats deck for sure, aren't you? Yes. Plus, I'd love to just like have a bunch of creatures in play and like just be like staring at my opponent as they're staring at their board wipe and be like, going to cast it. It's like, you, gotta, you want to take five? Is it worth it? Uh, Kai's Wrath tastes it. That's fine. They have to have creatures in play for that to do anything. Oh, I suppose it's their own creatures, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
Yep. Yeah, there were, so I'm just going to say, there were some novel effects in this set. Yes. Like, I know we kind of picked some stuff that look, that's not, like, way, way out there. And, um, uh, but, like, some of the, some of the cards with crazy effects, too, ended up in other spots in our, uh, in our review here. Yeah, I had to split up some stuff, because it's like, all these things I want to talk about for various reasons, I guess it'll yeah. go here. <laughs> Pretty much, but. All right. Let's get to the real questions now. The most important ones in the set. Favorite art. So, I'll just knock mine out really quick. So, I picked them uh, Bankrupt in Blood. Uh, for those who care, it's one of the black sorcery at Uncommon as an additional cost. To cast a spell, sacrifice two creatures, draw three cards. Uh, and basically, the art is people exploding to blood and money. Like... <laughs> Seth McKinnon is a stone cold master of this art style, isn't it? Oh, and isn't he? Yeah. he is excellent. It's so good. This this set is basically people like throwing up money or blowing up into money or you know stuff like that. Like there's a bunch of cards like that in the set. And for like, those who don't know, Butcher likes money. I like money, but the. So, all right. Actually, this is gonna. I'm just gonna bring this into my grand picture of the art in this set. Um, we've talked about art in Ravnica sets. Ravnica art in general is fine. Yes, it's never like I don't know. It's never really been like stand out or anything. Like you never look at it and you're like, it's oh all just God, consistently good. Yeah, it's all just consistently good. Like I don't want to make it sound bad, but it 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 doesn't pop. But it's solid like all of it's really solid yeah this set is very different like this is the first ravnica set that i look at and i'm like the art in this set is amazing yeah there's there's actually a lot of just really good art in this set yeah like like when i was trying to pick my favorite art i kept i kept going through and being like oh that's phenomenal oh that's phenomenal oh that's like you know and just it's just weird, like, because Ravnica sets are usually just kind of like, yeah, they all have a bunch of really good art. And even the previous set had, was like that. Yeah, and like the thing about all of the, like, there was a very, very similar problem when picking my favorite art for this set as the other Ravnica sets. But, in, like, instead of everything being, like, a good, consistent, like, six or seven, everything is, like, a good, consistent eight. Yeah, like that, and that does make it tough. So I like looking at some of the like really, uh, like this set in a way feels like old magic art in some ways, like as weird as that sounds. <laughs> like you have some of the stuff that's very surreal, like you know, bankrupt in blood is like that, um, eyes everywhere is like that too where you get that really crazy looking stuff. And then you get some of the stuff that's, you know, that's very much more focused and everything. But the thing is, is that in this is it's done phenomenally across the board. Like it's not like one or two pieces is good. Like everything is just good. Yeah. It's nice to be able to say that about a Ravnica set. I don't think I've I've even seen any art that I'm just like, this art's just a terrible, like there may be one, but I've just like forgotten it. Yeah, I mean, like, some of them I look at it, I'm like, oh, that's just good. You know, it's yeah. like... 
you know it's just it's just really crazy like even like the card like the card right next to the list and to bankrupt and blood blade juggler like that art really got me too for some reason like i was like that is just so well done and it conveys what it's trying to so well like and a lot of the cards just do that and i'm just i'm just impressed with this set the yeah. art with this set i approve i'm a fan so yeah but all right so what do you got uh my favorite art is it's just a lot of little details in it that i really really li- like uh-huh uh, it is captive audience <laughs> which it's a rectus card and the name is just perfect yes there's obviously some multiple meanings to the phrase there. Yes. It's also a really, really weird enchantment that does a lot of things that are kind of cool. I don't think it's good enough for constructed, but it's, it's sweet. Yeah. Um. I I just don't want to list them all off, so you can get, you guys can look it up yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I love like all the little details in the art where it's but it's it's an audience watching a Rakdos show. Yeah. And there is multiple, like, there's a lot of people of a lot of different races all watching it. And, like, the little detail of, like, the blood splash and, like, the guy with the horrified look and the Vidalkin who just looks fascinated and, like, the lady looks like she's about to faint. And Fibblethip is just sitting up on a guy's shoulder with, like, like, his hand over his face, like, oh my god. Like, there's a lot of little details about this card was just yeah. like this card's art is just fan- fascinating i didn't even realize fibblethip was there like for the longest time and he's just like ch- chilling up there he's like how did i wind up here yeah oh and no. that goblin down, the goblin down the corner being like yep yeah this this is uh this is tuesday for me all right <laughs> good times yeah there's just a lot going on in it. it's just a lot of detail as you said like it's really really well done yeah so but- I, 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 yeah, I like that one. Props to Dimitri Burmach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming I'm reading. His name is a little blurry. I'm not, I don't want to open up the other windows. I'm assuming yeah, I got it. All right. But, yeah, cool. I but Again, to just reiterate, the art in this set is really, really good. But to be fair, the last Guilds of Ravnica, or like Guilds of Ravnica, that was an outlier when we we're like, yeah, the art's fine here. Yeah, like most of the time the art is phenomenal. So, a lot of it just blended together due to the aesthetic that they were going for. So. Yeah, I think so. All right, so when we so when we start drafting the set, the card that you want to just draft a million of in your pile, and you just want this to be the most drafted card in your in the format for you, John. Which card is it for you? Alright, mine is kind of cheating, maybe. I don't actually know. I'm going to say yours is a cheat, but... Mine's a rare. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. And I apparently you, you get can't... Rare. I apparently can't spell it because I'm bad. <laughs> How did I wind up on Ninja of the Deep Hours? Oh my god. <laughs> There we go. Ethereal, ethereal, there we go. Ethereal absolution. Uh, four colorless, white, black enchantment. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Creatures your opponents control get minus one, minus one. 
And you can pay two colors, a white and a black exile target creature card, or target card from an opponent's graveyard. If it was a creature card, you create a 1-1 white and black spirit creature token with flying. This card is ridiculous in limited environments. Oh, how can you tell? <laughs> so, in a shocking thing to everyone, I'm sure, uh, anthems are really good. Uh-huh. Negative anthems for your opponent are also really good. Oh, this has both. And having both at once is really, really good. But wait, there's more. And then paying four <laughs> mana to make a 2-2 flyer is also pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty decent. Also, I'm really, really curious how they did the foiling on this card. Fair point, yeah. Th this card will either look amazing or atrocious in foil. True, yeah. There's no in between, so. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to see how this one comes out. Yeah, this is a cop out, but I totally get what you're saying. Because, like, this card is one of those cards that you're going to slam it through the table and just go crazy. Yeah, like, it's it's a cop-out in the sense that I'm probably not going to draft that many of it, but it's probably the, one of the best limited cards in the entire set, so... Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Like, it has to be. Yeah, this card is insane. Yeah, that... I, I saw that one, I'm like, I am interested in trying that one out as well. But... Yeah, so... Alright. So what do you got? Well, you so got? I actually picked two, apparently, to compensate for you cheating uh, <laughs> don't know if that's how that works well we'll just go with it uh, first you don't succeed cheat repeat until caught then lie um, <laughs> all right so my first my first one is um uh, growth spiral which is a uh, green blue instant uh draw a card you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield uh in limited formats, I absolutely love green-blue as a combination a lot of times. And this does everything I ever want to do, which is just explore. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll play all it, the explorers. It is explore. Yep. Well, it's an instant speed explore, so it's actually better -ish. You can trigger your landfall at instant speed. Hey, could be could be super relevant somewhere. But I'm... Uh, I love this card. Like, I think it's a super cool card. So, is it is it really really good? Probably not. But I'm hoping it's a role player in a deck that, you know, I just get to draft a bazillion of them and be happy. I mean, gates deck are a thing, right? I mean, yeah. That's and this getting, works with that. Yeah, getting to put a gate into play, and then untap with it is pretty good. It does things. So, yeah, that, like. I'm hoping that does something, but uh, so my other card then is uh, Final Payment, uh, which is white black instant as an additional cost to cast this spell. Pay five life or sacrifice a creature or enchantment. Destroy target creature. Uh, so I also like white black and and limited too because you just it's just just grinding like crazy. It's just the grindiest grind that is grind if you can do it right. And this card plays right into that in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, it's, it's cheap removal that requires you to pay something and kind of just, you know, trade re resources and everything like that. And especially in a set where you have um, cards like, uh, you know, the afterlife cards and everything like that, the chances of you having a token laying around or or an afterlife creature that you're okay sacrificing, 
or even just being like just being like fuck, pay five life you know you're okay with that like i'll just take you know i'll take a two mana removal spell that lets me do that yeah i'm actually really really curious how many people are not going to be willing to pay five life just because a lot of people overvalue life as a resource and don't get me wrong this is a quarter of your starting life total oh yeah but it's not that bad i mean <laughs> i've i have played magic with you and i've been like and i've had you've been like i'll ah, pay the life for something i'm like dude we're like we'll have like two life left against a burn deck you're like i oh, will get there <laughs> yeah, we're, we're fine like, but, like, do we? Am I supposed to draw a card off Glint Sleeve? Yes. Yes. Do I draw a card off the other one? Yes. yes. But we're at we're at five. Don't care. We're not winning if we don't outdraw them. <laughs> uh, but so, like, but this is one of those cards that it, it lets you take that risk reward sort of thing, and I really like that. Yeah. And when I, know, sorry, I, I've never been big on Bone Splinters as a magic card. Yep. I think this card is just better in a lot of ways and like i the more i've every time i've re-seen this card my opinion on it has actually gone up from my initial assessment fair enough because my initial assessment was very very low on it <laughs> so it's like i just don't really care much about bone splinters if you're not playing like an aristocrat style deck yeah. shocking turn of events azorius is literally an aristocrat style deck <laughs> so or zav or zav sorry not azorius yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of Zorius with them, because uh, I think they have some of the lockout enchantments and stuff like that, so like, yeah. uh, I don't know if they have a pacifism in the set, I, have, I don't recall. Uh, yeah. But like, I think they do, actually. But like, something like that, you know, you get your creature pacified, and it's like, eh, screw you, you know, yeah. sacrifice my creature, kill your thing. Like, this this just does stuff, it's, you know, it recycles old creatures and everything, so like, if I have a big stack of these at the end of everything, or basically a bunch of you know, vault progress or whatever on arena because of these things. I'm happy. I think. Yeah, I mean, plus a, something that a lot of people don't even like take into account is like if you just hold on to this until your opponent casts their own removal spell on one of your creatures. Oh yeah. And you just you sacrifice your creature in response, and you effectively, you know, you just trade it even with them. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> Seems legit. Like, you know, it's yeah. I don't know. I like. I really like it. We'll, we'll see how far far it goes, I guess. But yeah, so it's sweet. I it's sweet. Yep. Okay, all right. I think we got some talking to do here. We so, have a bit card cards you expect or want to show up in an eternal format. Uh, so where to start? Um, should we just start at the top of mine? Yeah, we, let's we, start with the ooze wizard we each have two so we'll, we'll go we'll go mine yours mine yours we'll just All right. make this spicy okay so the first one i picked uh is prime speaker vanifar uh so it is two uh green blue for a legendary creature elf ooze wizard um at mythic uh she's a two four and she has the ability of tap sacrifice another creature Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Active this, this ability only time you could cast a sorcery. The astute among you may recognize this ability as birthing pod, uh, which is good. 
The question is, is how good is it on a creature? That is the question. Like, all right. So, no matter what people are going to try to do, birthing to make a birthing pod deck with this card in modern, whether it works yes. out or not, I don't know. So, birthing pod was always primarily Abzon colors. Yeah, but Abzon is not the requirements. Green is the requirement. Yes. There was also a lot of Bant birthing pod lists that would float around. They were never really good. Yep. But they were a thing. And sometimes birthing pod would even branch out into four colors. Yeah. Like like you said, this being on a creature matters a lot. And that's the big key to the whole thing. Like, I think we're all in agreement that birthing pod's ability really good. Yeah. Like, got banned in modern. Like, it's it's pretty solid. Yeah, the fact you can't activate this the turn it comes down matters that's the big, a lot. And that's the big thing. Like the, compar- the, the obvious comparison to make between a less interactable permanent versus a more interactable one is like Twin. Like, yep. like Splinter Twin was an enchantment. So obviously it had to go on a, cre- a creature, so there was some of that stuff. But like Kiki-Jiki still shows up and is more expensive and is on a creature, but Kiki-Jiki has haste. So, like, that changes a lot of the dynamics. Like, this not having haste is... Could could just be its downfall. Like, now you have to untap. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I also don't think that Modern is very, very friendly to decks like Birthing Pod right now. No. Uh, quite the opposite, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would tend to agree with that. But, yeah, it's... It's an interesting thing to think about. It does exist, and there's a lot of other cards that work really, really well with this in Commander at the at the least. Yeah, like like Bant- follower. Oh yeah, fair. <laughs> like Bant Birthing Pod could do something maybe. Like it could because the the nice the the one big thing about Birthing Pod is is that you could cast it on three mana. Yep, like that's huge. Uh which but makes stuff but like Bant Birthing Pod like uh. If you're that desperate, like, Bugler hits this. True. Like, that's something. Like, I know you probably, you know, you still have to untap then and everything, but that's, you know, I don't know. There's, it, it's interesting, if nothing else. Like, I, if this showed up in Modern, I would not be surprised. If it didn't show up in Modern, I would not be surprised. Yeah. It's like, And that's, that's just, like, the tale of cards like this, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I think it's 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 one of those cards that I don't think is going to be amazing or terrible. I think it's going to be good enough or slightly not good enough. Yeah, like, and that's why I didn't put it in our bomber bus category and stuff like that either. Because I think it's like it's going to be it's going to be just sitting right on the line. It's not going to be like one or the other. Yeah, like, and as I said, this card will never be a true bomb because this will see play in commander. I guarantee you. Oh yeah, well, it totally will. So. All right, so what's your first um, uh, Eternal card? Uh, mine is actually very, very similar, where if I do see it show up, I'm not going to be surprised. If I don't see it show up, I'm not going to be that surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, this card is also probably secretly one of the most powerful cards in the set that people don't realize. Oh, secretly? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know it was a secret. Oh, all right. This card is sweet. Yeah. Uh, mine is Rick's Mahdi Reveler. 
Uh, colorless red for a 2-2 human shaman. When Rick's variety of reveler enters the battlefield, discard a card, then draw a card. It has spectacle for two black and a red. If its spectacle cost was paid, instead discard your hand, then draw three cards. Yeah, so you have Rick's Matty Reveler or Bedlam Reveler. Yeah. See, a lot of people are like, but man, you can cast Bedlam Reveler for two. The number of times I have cast a Bedlam Reveler for four or five mana is way higher <laughs> than people probably realize. Fun fact, you the can cast a discard for two as well. Yeah, and here's, like, this card is, I I think this card will absolutely see play in Standard. This yeah, I, card, I, yeah. I think this card is better than Viashino Pyromancer if you're not playing with Wizard Synergies. Okay. Because being able to smooth out your draws in red is a huge deal, right? Like, yeah. flooding is a bad thing in red. This can help mitigate that to a degree. Uh-huh. Not to mention, if you ever cast it for its spectacle cost, like, if you're playing a well-built red deck, by the time you can cast this for a spectacle cost, you probably only have, like, one card left in hand anyways. Yeah. So suddenly this just becomes a 4-mana 2-2 with an Ancestral Recall attached to it. I mean, Ancestral Recall's an okay card from last time I checked. Solidly passable. Yeah. <laughs> C+. Plus. Um, yeah, like, this card is really, really interesting. Like, you know, it versus Bedlam, Bedlam Reveler is the thing that's going to decide if it shows up in an eternal format, obviously. But I think you're right where it's like standard is going to see this card. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if it's good enough, but I have heard whispers of maybe this card is Bedlam Reveler's number five and six. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's legit, but it could be. I mean, yeah. Maybe, you know, it's one of those ones you don't play a full four set of them you play like yeah. two of them or you play a three three split or you play you know you play you play three two or something like that whatever like you know there's a, a combination where you want this card in there yeah and i mean i already play tormenting voice in my modern deck right yeah this card is not that much worse than tormenting voice for what i'm trying to do no. it's worse because i'm trying to cast arclay phoenixes yeah but it's not that much worse mm -hmm. And maybe, yeah, maybe something change, you know, something changes or whatever. But like, I, yeah. I think this is one worth looking at for sure. Like, there's no way that, you know, it's like Vanifar. People are gonna at least try. Yep. And, exactly. Yeah, and I think it's at least there. But and, and again, this is one that if it doesn't make it, it's gonna be right on the line. Yeah. But. I did not pre-order any cards from this set. I highly considered pre-ordering this one. Really. It's only two fifty. That's not a lot. No, it isn't. Okay. All right. So my card I expect to show up, my last card I expect to show up, um, I'm actually probably more confident about this card than anything else. And I would hope so. And I am very <laughs> excited about this card. Um, I mean, this is one of those cards where it's like the expectation is just like, where like, does it show up in Legacy is my thing. Like, <laughs> that's how good i think it is but um so the next one is skewer the critics it's two and a red for a sorcery um it has spectacle for a red and it reads skewer the critic it deals three damage to any target plain and simple so, so i have a one massive complaint i have to make about this card yes i am 
I'm going to say I'm getting unreasonably mad, but I'm starting to question if it's actually unreasonable. Okay. That people keep referring to this card as a lightning bolt and not a chain lightning. Uh, I, I refer to it as lava spike. Fair enough. Because <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Even though it's not. I, it's actually chain lightning, but I, I think yeah. of it more as lava spike. Yeah. I mean, in the decks you put this in, yeah. it's a lava spike. Yeah, but, you know, it's... Yeah, it's, it's more Chain Lightning than it is Lightning Bolt because it's Sorcery. Exactly. But, holy shit, man. Like... Yeah. <laughs> like, this card is what we wanted um, uh, uh, from Origins with Spell Mastery. Deal three to a creature. Oh, yeah, that thing. Like, this is what we wanted almost. Like, this could be... This could end up in Legacy Burn. It's good enough. Like, this is going to end up in Modern. Period. I don't know if I agree with the period. Oh, it's going to end up in modern. Like, they will play some number of this in modern burn. I'm sure of it. Yeah, like, th that's the big thing that I've heard people talking about this card, right? Where it's like, at its best, it's better than Rift in most situations. Yep. At its worst, it's just as bad as Rift Yeah. <laughs> Which is a huge thing, right? Like... Mm -hmm. Like, there are times where the suspend on Riftbolt does matter. There there are, actually. It does create some awkward situations for your opponent. But, like, most of the time, this is just what you want happening. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm legit. I think this card is definitely good enough. The question is what gets cut for it, right? Yeah, that is in regards, In regards to Legacy, I don't think it's i mean maybe you just play this instead of like the main deck sulfuric vortexes and lava smeg lava mancers like i could like, see that and just go lower to the ground like that makes sense. yeah like like or, i don't or know you, I, I or you cut rift bolts for it and i'm not sure yeah. that's correct but you know i i guarantee you this card is seen play in popper burn as oh. much as that doesn't matter yeah as much as that doesn't matter this de it definitely is like this yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean that deck already plays needle drop which is only castable if your opponent took damage this turn. Yeah, and this is just a better needle drop. Yeah. You can deal one and draw a card, or you can nug them in the face for three. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather nug them. Yeah, like this This card is... It's going to show up somewhere. I feel confident about that. Yeah. Like, this is the closest, like, burn power spell we have gotten in recent years. Yeah, it is... It is definitely powerful. I am fascinated to see where it will go. Also, it's a common. Yeah. that's So they yeah. shouldn't be that hard to get. <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, I'm going to pick up a set for sure and yeah. hold on to them tight and see where they end up. But, you know, and if, if it's one of those cards that it's like, yeah, you, that you'd pull out the main Videx, uh, Sulfuric Vortexes and Lava Mancers and just, you know, get, do more of what you want to do and stuff, I'm okay with that. Mm. Like, We'll have to see. I'm very curious about this card. Like, to see where it finally ends up. It's gonna definitely be interesting. So, yeah. This is a card that absolutely had to be on this particular section of our talking, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no way it could have been anywhere else. <laughs> Alright, what's your, um, uh, your other card? Alright, mine is a complicated card. <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually not even being facetious as legitimately complicating. No, fair enough. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. So X red red for an instant. Yep. It's called Electro Dominance. Uh, 
Electrodominance deals X damage to any target. You may cast a card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So... That card's pretty good. This basically means that for the low, low cost of red, red, you can cast a living end out of your hand. Fascinating. <laughs> you can cast a restore balance out of your hand. Even more fascinating. You can cast a lot of shit that is normally only castable off of suspend. I mean, I'm liking the um, uh, torture opponent for a bunch at end of turn cast ancestral visions out of my hand. Yeah. I mean, like, and like, that's only like if you're ca- like, as you said, you can cast it for more than that, right? Oh, yeah. Where it's like, yeah, it's what if you just like nug them for three and then cast anything that costs three or less? Like, what if you like torch them and then put a Liliana in play? Yeah. I don't think that's I don't think that's where you should be going with this card. No, but you could. But like, like, that's a thing. Yeah. Like, my standard dream right now is to cast this for X equals four. And then, like, like they're, like, attack you with some stuff. I'm like, torture dude, drop in a chupa, kill your guy. <laughs> <laughs> All Fletcher ever wants to do. <laughs> like, it, it, and that's not even good. Like, I'm just like, but, like, stuff like that is, you know, doable, too. Just ambush vipering your opponent, as stupid as that is. Yeah. Like, this, this card probably could do just weird things. I mean, we had As Foretold get printed, and As Foretold led to another form of Living End, which was Mono Blue Living End. This just slots really well into a Living End deck that already exists. Yeah. And even if you decided, like, say you wanted to just straight up swap this for the one that needs to have a creature to target to start cascading, it's like, that's a pretty easy swap. Because yeah. not everyone has a creature in play all the time. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's. I don't know. If I don't play Living End. I never have played Living End. I've thought about it. The deck seems boring to me. People who actually play that deck can actually do all like the mental work for this. But this card is legit. Yeah. Casting spells for free is really good, especially when those spells have no mana cost. Because they're only supposed to come off off of suspend like five turns later. Yeah, this like even played fair. This card seems good. Yeah, yeah. When you're casting like restore balances or you know living end or you know, I suppose we don't have a format where we get to cast hypergenesis, but yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. You're just like, yeah, this is not fair. No, I mean this may end up as end up. You know, with the joke, it's like, oh, it's the mana cost of living end, red, red. Yep. <laughs> Card's sweet. Yep. I have faith. It's cool. Yeah, this this actually was a candidate for my favorite effect in the format for a while, but I am uh, I changed my mind. Then you right. put it here. So. Well, that's where we're gonna wrap it up for today. Um, if you want to shoot us some feedback, you can send us an email at thelocalmeta at gmail.com. You can catch us on Twitter at thelocalmetapc. Um, if you want to check out anything about the local meta, you can hit us up at thelocometa.com. <laughs>